Praise Jesus. We love this church. I got to tell you, we love this church, and you guys are just tremendous. The Spirit of the Lord is here. We're going to jump right in uh, for, for the sake of time. Today, we're going to get after it. Uh, Pastor Ben, thank you so much. You and Kara are dear friends to us. Uh, we enjoy your company. We enjoy your wisdom. And it's really wonderful to be able to do life with people that are really going to do this stuff. We're going to be pr friends with you your whole life. And we're going to get stuff done together. And if people are your friends, they're our friends. If they're your enemies, they're our enemies. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I don't know. I, this, is, this is a Spanish church. Amen? Yeah, okay. Praise God. Let's... um. <laughs> God is good. I want to talk about this. Pastor Ben began to jump into uh, vision. He was talking about this. Just before I do also, I do want to point out I have a team here. This is Dave and Robin Pollock. You guys wave your hands. Dave is our CEO, our pilot. Uh, he helps fly people like, your pilot? Yes, we're getting an airplane. Woo! Some of you are like, airplane? What do you need that for? You know, to fly. And so we're... We're going to do that, and excited about it. Robin's there. Dave is uh, a CEO in our ministry. He's run many successful businesses. His claim to fame is he and Robin were bounty hunters. They worked with Dog the Bounty Hunter. And so just tremendous people, and they have made our ministry explode by their management and how they're putting things together. And so it's been a tremendous thing. I just wanted you to meet Dave and Robin. Of course, we have Jason Chandler uh, back there running our table. That's Jason. He's the man of God, and he's stood with us for many years and just uh, a wonderful man. And if you want to look at anything back there, Jason will help you. Then, of course, my lovely bride, Heather. Heather, just stand up and wave at everybody, if you would. This is my girlfriend. My girlfriend of 23 years, praise the Lord. I have two children with my girlfriend. Thank you, Father. <laughs> praise God. Well, let's jump into this. Uh, Pastor Ben has been teaching this series on the seven pillars of relationship. And one of the things we've got to recognize going into this right out of the gate is when people get a prophetic word, it's very healthy for them to get the word, it's also tremendously healthy for people to remember the word that they saw their friend get or someone they know. This is why the same, the same principle happens when people stand up and get married. They get stand up and they get married. And that, you know, you ever hear the argument in the body of Christ? Why do I need to have a ceremony? A piece of paper doesn't mean we're married. You ever hear that? People argue that way. That's usually because people are rebellious, right? And the truth of the matter is if you really want to get married, you stand up and make a public a public confession of your vows to one another, and there is a holiness in that. There's a special scenario in that in the body of Christ, and the same works with prophecy. It works when people stand up in their gift and do what they're supposed to do. There's an accountability and an encouragement, both, that comes with that. You see that principle in marriage. You see that principle in many different aspects in the body of Christ, especially prophecy. So I want you to really listen to me just for a moment because this is going to help you. One of the first things we've got to realize is this, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Give me an amen if you're following along in your mind and in your heart. Amen. Proverbs 29, verse 18, it says this, where there is no vision... The people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Happy is he who keeps the law. Where there is no revelation is what it really is saying. Where there is no revelation, Proverbs 29, 18 says, the people cast off restraint. Now, a lot of people and motivational life coaches, which I think are awesome, 
actually talk about this type of verse and say you've got to have a vision for your life. You've got to know where you're going. You've got to know what you're about, right? You've got to know what you, where you're headed. But it says in Proverbs 29, 18, you have to have a revelation. And this actually in the Hebrew means a prophetic revelation. It means to have prophetic insight. You are hearing the voice of God and you're able to go forward with that. If you don't have the voice of God or you don't have prophetic revelation specifically in your church, you begin to miss things that God's doing. You begin to miss the understanding. The only thing worse, though, than no teaching or no revelation is bad teaching and bad revelation. You know, like so many people that I really love and admire, and they prophesied who the next president was going to be for two years, and it didn't quite go that way. And people then are, are saying, well, it means this, it means that. And I'm not against anybody. I actually pray for all these people. I've said things that weren't perfectly accurate over the years, and I had to go back and say, I'm sorry. Right? So here's what you recognize, is we honor people, but at the same time, when you have a revelation but not proper interpretation, it leads to bad application. Okay? So how does this apply to the local church? Very, very much so. It applies in a very powerful capacity. And I'm going to talk about this to a level that maybe you walk away encouraged for how to celebrate other people's prophetic words, things they've heard from God, and then hold them accountable to what God has said over their life, not in a condemning way, but in an encouraging way. Right? I'm going to lay out some scripture. I'm going to go to the whiteboard. We're going to get some good results this morning. Somebody say by faith this morning. Say, I'm ready. As a matter of fact, look at somebody next to you this morning and say, you're looking good today. Now, this part's going to take faith, and it's going to bother religion. But look back at that person and say, I'm looking good too. Oh, that makes religion squeal. How can you say that? Praise God. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Now, what we've got to realize, listen, guys, what we've got to realize it's very important that you begin to understand this. Um, the preaching of the word can happen in a setting. When there's no revelation, you can hear the word preached, but if you're in a church, you're in a setting that people are not being changed. They're not transforming. They're not growing. And even if the word's being preached, the problem is a word without a revelation means that there will be no impartation. It means that people aren't going to live, move, and have their being. That's why so many institutions are in place today. After a Barna Research Group said after about 20 years, any move of God turns into an institution. You institutionalize a revelation. What do I mean? Let me, let me explain this. In other words, you can have a now word from God in a generation. Let's take John Wesley and Charles Wesley way back in the day. They were so innovative, they took bar songs, put new lyrics to them, and people knew the jingles, and that's all the hymns we sing. People today are like, we want to sing holy things. Holy things. You're singing bar tunes. <laughs> Roll out the barrel. No, nobody? Okay, that's polka. I'm sorry. I'm from the north. Forgive me. I should recognize where I am. Okay, now listen. Now, when you realize some of this, that they began to do something innovative, and they were so innovative and so out of the box, they were known by their methods, John and Charles Wesley were, and because of this, they were called Methodists. 
okay? But what happens, and I, I'm not saying this against anybody's institution or anything, what happens is over time, a revelation of something that was new and innovative begins to be passed to the second and third generation. And when that happens, a now word becomes rote repetition. It's kind of a yawn. Yeah, we know that. Like, uh, I don't know, you get in certain settings and, and people say, you know, God is good. And everybody's like, all the time. And then the preacher says, all the time. And all the people are like, God is good. Right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But you hear something so much that it loses the potency and power because it becomes normalized. The opposite of holiness is to be called normal. And when you begin to institutionalize a revelation, what it really means is you diminish the power it carries. Okay? That's why we have the Word of God. That's why when people are preaching the Word of God and they do so with a revelation like Proverbs 29, 18, you begin to say, oh my goodness, there's a challenge, there's a change, people are being transformed because revelation answers the fight inside. You ever had somebody tell you something and you knew it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then somebody said something simple and something unlocked in your heart? That's revelation. And this is why prophecy is so important, especially in the local church. There's different levels of prophets, and for the sake of time, I won't go deep into it, but there's different levels of prophetic ministry. You have the local in-house church prophets that are submitted to the pastor. They're not in there rebuking the pastor, rebuking the people, Right? You get those people like, I got a word to rebuke. No, you're out of order. Sit down. Rebuke yourself, right? <laughs> I don't know. You sit down, right? There's a reason. There's a governmental structure in the house of God. Now, the local in-house prophetic voices, the local in-house prophets, they're called by God to minister to the local body with exhorting, encouraging, and edification. That's how it works. And 1 Corinthians 14 at the end, it also talks about word of knowledge. So it's exhorting, comforting, exhortation, and word of knowledge. Prophets are not to be the most powerful prophetic voice in the body of Christ. I'm going to say that again. Prophets are not supposed to be the most prophetic voice, the most powerful prophetic voice of prophecy in the body of Christ. You ever seen that movie Willow from the 80s? Right? And that little little guy, you know, he's he's walking around and he's he's like doing all this stuff. And then he meets with the wizard, right? The wizard. Nobody? So Willow's there. It's uh, I, I can't remember. Ron Howard directed that. It was before Lord of the Rings. Pure nerd lore. I'm deep in the weeds now. Okay. And and Willow's there, and the wizard said, Which finger has the most power in it? Right? And Willow's like it's that finger. He's like, no. Later he found out it was his finger. Okay? A weird analogy, yet it makes the point very clear. <laughs> the point is this, is that you begin to recognize, if you are hearing God, that all God's people are supposed to prophesy. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, somewhere towards the end of the chapter, it begins to talk about, if y'all speak in tongues, people come in the meeting and go, y'all crazy. Bunch of crazy folk in here. But you come in the meeting, and if all prophesy, it says if the unbeliever or the uninformed come into the congregation and all prophesy, people are like, it's comforting, exhorting, encouraging, except it says that they fall on their face 
being convinced by all and convicted by all because the secrets of their hearts have been revealed by all. Okay? Comforting, exhorting, encouraging, aggressive word of knowledge. So they have this happen, and then what takes place? It says if the uninformed or the unbeliever comes in, two classes of people, uninformed, unbelievers. So you got the unsaved coming in, and they're impacted by the congregation who prophesies. Or you get the uninformed. Somebody that's like, I don't believe in speaking in tongues. I don't believe in prosperity. I don't believe, I don't believe, I don't believe, I don't believe in healing. You know, when people say that whole thing of I don't believe, I don't believe in this, I don't believe in that, the best thing to say to them is, don't worry about it, brother. It won't happen to you. <laughs> Keep on not believing. It won't happen for you. God likes people who believe. God's got this thing about being believed. Now listen, what I'm saying is, is the local body, all are called to prophesy, not be prophets. Prophets are here to train you, equip you, demonstrate how the gift works, and demonstrate revelatory teaching, demonstrate how to get people set free in their heart, demonstrate how to support your local church, demonstrate how to raise up an army, demonstrate how to mobilize the body of Christ. That's the edification and exhortation that prophets bring in Ephesians 4.11. Okay, are you with me so far? Okay, let's get through this quickly. Now, here's the thing, and Pastor Ben has been teaching on this to you. He's been talking about vision as one of the seven pillars, and this is really important. And vision is so powerful, and you see this over and over again in Scripture. If you have a pen, you're going to want to write down just a few Scriptures that I'm going to share our thoughts for the rest of the day here. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. It says, therefore, we also, Hebrews 12, 1, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, a cloud of witnesses. Now, some people would say this represents the Old Testament saints who went before us, and we know they went before us, and we need to honor that. But this really in context is talking about a supernatural cloud of people in heaven who can see you. It says, since we're surrounded by these guys, let us lay aside every weight which entangles us. Let's lay aside all these snares and let's run with endurance. Everybody say that powerful word, say endurance. Everybody loves the miracle when it happens, but sometimes leading up to the miracle, you have to apply a little bit of endurance. I like to go ATVing in the mountains. I love it. It's like people are like, what do you like to do for fun, Joseph? I like to aggressively ATV through snow that's so deep, you're going to get stuck for sure. I was snowmobiling one time. Wah! And I had this snowmobile I bought for like $400, Ben. It was, it was like a suicide missile, okay? I got on this thing, and I, I the, had no windshield, does like 90 miles an hour, and I'm tearing up the mountains. I know, I'm from Minnesota. I moved to Colorado, and I love mountains. I'm, I'm tearing up this mountain like a missile. I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever! Wow! I'm like, Wah! And I'm climbing this mountain. Next thing you know, I take this corner, and the snowmobile disappears. Poof. And I go plow, plowing in the snow. And I hit this big pocket, and the snowmobile's just, like, gone, okay? And I actually broke the handlebars off as I went over it because it's such an old snowmobile. And anyway, that being said, you got to have a little endurance when you're in these moments. 
because I go through the process and I had to walk all the way back down the mountain. I had to do all this stuff. I got to tell you, one of the things I love the most is to get out and do that. But it takes, it takes a little bit of endurance in a machine or anything you're going to accomplish if you're going to do what God called you to do. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. God is wanting you to show endurance. The promise is coming, and the way you begin to really exercise endurance is with a revelation. A revelation. When I buried that snowmobile, I had to walk all the way down the mountain a couple miles. And my lightning quick mind began to say, you have a cell phone, call someone. I was like up to here in snow walking, you know, in a snowsuit, and there's mountain lions out there, and I didn't bring my America with me, you know, none of that, okay? And I'm, I'm walking, <laughs> was that too much? I'm sorry. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. I should say it with more of a Texan accent. Glory to God, you <laughs> know, okay? So anyway, I'm coming down the mountain, and I'm looking around, and I'm thinking, these mountain lions are out here, these things could maul me, you know? I'm, I, I'm not from here, I don't understand. And uh, so I had a stick. I'm like, okay, I'm going to club this thing, right? But I'm going down. But the scenario changed when I picked up my cell phone, made a phone call to a friend. And uh, this was kind of a reoccurring event for me. One time I buried a Jeep up there, and they're like, dude. And anyway, they said, this sounds familiar. I said, hey, I'm on the mountain. They're like, oh, this is familiar. And my point being is the revelation came when I had a voice talk to me and I was able to communicate. When God begins to speak to you and you have an open line of communication, it not only gets you out of your circumstances, it gets you where you need to be, and the body of witnesses bears witness to what God says to you. There's a reason God has us together as a body. There's a reason this community's growing. This church is growing. This is a red church, okay? Let me explain. Fire baptized, blood of Jesus, Blood of Jesus is red, and as a red church, there's going to be a lot of Holy Ghost power. And even if you try to pretend you're blue, you're going to end up red. You'll be like, no, we do things different. We're going to be nice. We're going to be this. Yeah, you'll be nice, nice and red. Meaning this church is going to grow. There's an apostolic authority on it. Uh, in that color spectrum, I teach on it. It's just a word picture. It's not a doctrine, okay? It's just a word picture. But when I say red or we're going red or the body of Christ is red, it's talking about apostles and prophets leading the way. And apostles take territory. They grow. They outgrow where they are. That's happening in this church. You guys are about to burst at the seams. It's how it is. Now, the thing that begins to encourage people and keep them along the way is truly a word from God. It's when you hear a word from God. So the cloud of witnesses, they surround, they watch. Let me say also this. This is why it's so dangerous when people get into slandering brothers and sisters, okay? I'm not going to beat up on you over this, all right? Slandering brothers and sisters, but it's, it, there's a reason for it, and I'll say why. Because you ever been around someone who's a real conspiracy theorist? I have some of that persuasion in me. If you ever watch my program, you'd be like, that was too far, Joseph. And then I say, yes, it was. Come back next time. It'll be better, right? Now listen to me. The things you recognize, though, is the reason conspiracy theories are bad is not because the information's bad, okay? I have people contact me all the time. They're like, the earth is flat. I'm like, okay. I've never seen the earth. I don't know. Is it a pyramid out there floating? I've seen other planets, you know, from earth with my eyes or telescopes, but I've never seen the earth itself. Is the earth flat? I have no way with empirical observation to prove whether it is or isn't. But the answer to that is, who cares? 
People are like, no, I'm telling you, it's a great deception. Yeah, but why? What are they hiding? The ice wall, they're hiding it. It's the ice wall. And then beyond, yeah, what's beyond that? More stuff. Okay, so what's the deception? Let's say you checkmate me and say the earth is flat. Told you, and we find out the earth is flat. Great, let's preach the gospel. Okay, so I'm not against that. I can't even refute some of it because like any conspiracy, it's hard to prove or it's hard to refute. Now, here's the point. The reason conspiracy theories are bad is because, not that the data's bad sometimes, and it can be very accurate. It's the fact that the purpose of it can get a spirit on it. It makes you obsess and hijacks the purpose of faith. In other words, people take their faith that's supposed to believe in Jesus, believe in increase, believe in the brothers and sisters, the body of Christ, and it puts a dividing wall between them, and suddenly they're applying their faith mechanism to conspiracy. First time I ever preached on this, I had somebody manifest a demon and run at me in the meeting, and Dave caught him. Bam! Anybody got a demon, conspiracy demon? Okay. Now listen. <laughs> I had to get the meeting exciting. Well, we're just going to put both services together because it went crazy in there. Now listen. <laughs> Here's what we got to recognize. It's important in the same manner you don't let your faith be hijacked for conspiracies, even though it's good to study things and be a thinking person. I'm all for that, but don't let it run away with your faith. Make sense? People that are obsessing on YouTube or TikTok, conspiracy, 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 conspiracy. You need to put the word of God in that position. And then, yes, look at data. That's fine. Don't be, don't be dumb. You know, look at what you're looking at. But anyway, look at this. James 4.11 do not speak evil of one another, no different than conspiracy-minded things that hijack your faith or the use of your words or how you talk about things that are going on in the world, nor should you aim your words towards the brothers and sisters of Christ. Here's why. It says, he who speaks evil of a brother, James 4.11, and judges his brother, speaks evil of the law and judges the law. Let me just jump forward. James 3.9 talking about the tongue and the mouth. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made, get this, in the similitude or the image and likeness of God. So when we're speaking words or releasing words, we're using, you know when the Bible says every idle word man speaks will be used and they'll be held account for? What it really means just for the sake of time is every time you say a word and it goes against the purpose of why God gave you faith, you're held accountable for that. Meaning when you give words that do not hit the target for the divine destination God appointed you to speak them for, but you use words instead of saying stuff like, oh man, God's put healing on my body. You're like, I am so sick again. You know, like you go down that road, you gotta speak the word of God. Now I, I'm all for, like I've seen people with a broken arm and you say, hey, you got a broken arm and they're like, that ain't broke. It's like, Okay, so what is it then? Oh, no, that's, that's, that's not broken at all. It's like, no, you got this messed up. You can identify what's going on in the natural, but then you say, but by faith, I believe I'm receiving a healing, right? That's, that's how you do that. But now the point is, when you use words that are designed for faith and you use it against brothers and sisters, you are doing prophecy in reverse, Okay. And you're using, just like a conspiracy scenario, just like anything else, you are amplifying a really bad thing that can actually release death and not life. So 
it's not just about, oh, I shouldn't be talking about people or doing that. It's actually, because there's, there's a point you can identify things. There's nothing wrong with saying that's wrong, here's why, but make sure you're in love when you do it and make sure you're bringing balance to things. You know what I'm saying? You can't just never say anything. You gotta identify things. You have leadership stuff you gotta deal with. That's not what I mean. I'm talking when you're using your words to, to harm someone, okay? That's the opposite of prophecy. Now, very quickly, let me jump right to this. Let me jump right to this. Paul was told by Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, he said, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gifts of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, This I charge, I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them, listen now, by the prophecies made to Timothy, Paul told him, wage a good warfare. And here's what I want to say to you, and this is where it's going to get really important. Waging a good warfare by the prophecies given by Paul means that Timothy remembered when Paul laid hands on him and prophesied to him, and so did the elders who did so with Paul. And the same is true for you in this church. When you see people receive a word, you need to not only receive it for you. And if you're in a church service, by the way, and you begin to hear a word prophesied, and you say, that sounds like me. Receive it. There's a term called census plenier. means a deeper, fuller meaning. You can receive, and God can do more than one thing at a time. God's not limited. Well, he wasn't pointing at me. She wasn't pointing at me. It doesn't matter. God might be. Okay, I'm going to draw this real quick here, real quick. Thank you, Jesus. Happy little trees. Here we go. Look at this. Okay? This represents... The five-fold ministry, I call this the 521. Should do it that way. 521, okay? It's the 521. This is Ephesians 4, okay? This is uh, 1 Corinthians 12. This is Romans 12. And this is where it talks about the seven um, motivational gifts, the nine manifestational gifts, the five governmental gifts, uh, which we say going red, right? And then here, all together, this is where you get the 21 total. This makes up the body of Christ. And the body of Christ, when it's all put together, is when Jesus, or John the Revelator said in 1 John, he said, as we are, or as he is, rather, as he is right now, so are we in this world. And this means you got to find your positioning in the body of Christ. you got to know who you are. you got to know where you're going. And when you begin to do this, then you can begin to have the greatest results in the body. A lot of people don't know who they are. They don't know where they're going. Pastor Ben and Kara are teaching right now, and they're using a lot of great material that are going to help you understand prophecy. But if you begin to get a healthy understanding on the word of God or prophecy, it's very powerful. And I'm going to begin to bring you to an understanding with this. Prophecy is the most misunderstood and misused and misapplied gift in the body of Christ. It really is. And there's three ways you do it. I already said it. It's this. Revelation, interpretation, application, okay? This is, if you run through this grid, it's not, nothing's perfect, but if you run through this grid, you won't mess things up. And usually prophetic people are the most insecure people in the world. 
because they want to be validated so bad. Please tell me I'm accurate. Please tell me. Tell me. I think, I think the Lord took me and had me beat up for so many years. I'm like, I don't care if you like me or don't like me. Praise the Lord. I don't like you. Good. I don't like you either. No, I'm just kidding. No, listen to me. But when you begin to get accurate prophecy, not only do you celebrate one another, you celebrate what, what God said to someone else, you will begin to have a culture of love. Faith works by love. Prophecy should work by love. Prophetic people should be the most merciful people on the planet. And I think the reason you, you get the picture of, you know, um, I got the bald part right with prophecy. That one I nailed. Okay, but you realize that when people have images of prophets, for example, in the church, it's there to call out their sin. It's there to, you know, just have the, the old prophet guy that's not nice, not kind, really intense. That's Old Testament stuff. We live under a better covenant. Okay? And when you prophesy, by your love, the world will know, and by your love for one another, the world will know. This is very important. Praise God. Sir, business is unpacking for you. It's going to be well. God's working that process out. Things are going to begin to unshackle and unfetter you. It's going to be good for you, man. I bless you in Jesus' name. Uh, you're a man of honor, sir. I've seen you before, and the Spirit of the Lord is upon you because he's anointed you for a great wave of significance. I see you being a foundation layer and holding the foundation solid. And God's saying you've seen a lot of mess throughout the years. And because of that, he's going to make it so you can help people find their message. And it's going to be very important. You are a foundation piece in the body of Christ. It's wonderful. I bless you guys. The spirit of God is on you. The, the truth of God is upon you. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, through inspiration and motivation, I move of man of God. He's going to begin to bring greater understanding. And, sir, I know you do this, but the more you see yourself as small in his eyes, the greater he's going to raise that torch. You have such a gift on you, such a word on you. You're God's man. You guys are wonderful people that the Lord has positioned not only in this community and in this church, but in the body of Christ. If you will help these guys raise the standard and hit the mark, God will allow you to hit the mark in your life like never before. You could go do your own thing. You're anointed. You could do it. But I'm telling you, if you help Ben and Kara, there's a great anointing that God will begin to, it'll be a, for lack of a better word, a multiplier. It's going to multiply. It's going to begin to just roar forward in Jesus' name. I bless you guys. Man, you've been wounded by people. People have not been nice to you at times. You're doing a lot better these days. But there have been a lot of people that have not been kind to see the words. They're like arrows that hit you. And the Lord's just saying, that is over with. That's over with. You're a gem in the body. You're a gift. You're out of the box. And people don't know how to handle that. Anything that's different, people freak out over. What did Jesus say in the chosen? Get used to different, okay? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I love this church. We love this church. You guys make up a great church. You have great leaders, but you're also great people. You know, people say, I found the perfect church. You did? Don't go there. It won't be perfect anymore. Right? <laughs> God actually deeply cares about you, and he wants his body to grow. Not for the sake of numbers, but for the sake of advancing the kingdom. People always get so upset about, like, ah, oh, it's one of them big churches. It's one of this. Well, it's great if it's big, if it's advancing the gospel. This is going to be a big church. 
be big churches attached to it. You, many people say, I was there in the early days. I remember the beginning days. Praise God. So in-house prophetic voices, every one of you can prophesy. The prophetic training Ben and Kara are doing on your life is not for profits. Many churches are nonprofit organizations anyway. I go into some churches, I gotta laugh at my own jokes, okay? That was a good one, Joseph. And people are like, you could tell they're smiling. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> God loves us. Thank you, Jesus. So I encourage you to train, to learn, to get what God's calling you to do because you're called to visions, dreams, revelatory encounters, all this, and keep it balanced in the word of God. Revelational stuff is normal. You don't have to make it weird and we should celebrate one another. We let the gifts flow freely and lightly and the local church is where we should practice these gifts, practice these gifts and allow people to fail because then you realize there's a safety net even, even till this day, there's times I prophesy to people, and I've been prophesying for like 30 years, okay, over people, going to nations, calling out leaders in nations, calling out a president, calling out this, calling out that. And even then, humility is in order. You say, I believe God's saying this to me. People that say, thus saith the Lord, it's like this. God blasted his nostrils from heaven and then the sky was red and he came down and said, I'm putting Trump back in the White House in 2020. That kind of mess. Was that too much? Now listen to me. I, and I have nobody in my mind. I love the prophets. Listen to me. I communicate with them. I love them. I've had times where I have not hit the ball, okay? So I'm not being critical of anyone. But let me just say this to you. Let me just say this. It's important that we get accurate. It's important we begin to hear God. Do I think the election stuff and all that's gonna begin to go in a different direction? I do. The Lord showed me 22 and 24. Things are gonna get wild. Okay, praise Jesus. Um, thank you, Jesus. Well, I'm so grateful to be here with you today. I just had one of my mentors go home to heaven yesterday. His name was Dr. Gerald Durstein. When I was 15 years old, he took me preaching and uh, was able to minister. He put me in the pulpit at 15. Jow, preach. Jow. He's a wild man. He, he would be like that. He, just, he was a, a wild man. He had miracles in Israel, all this. He was one of the founding fathers of the charismatic movement. He uh, ordained Benny Hinn. He did all this stuff. And uh, I said, how, I saw him a few years ago. Heather and I went to see him. Gerald, how are you doing? He's like, ha I'm improving. That's how he would talk. I'm improving. So I just give honor to the Lord for the men of God and women of God who've gone before us. Many people are in the cloud of witnesses today. And I want to say to you, submit to these guys, learn the prophetic voice of God, and it shall be well with you. Love and celebrate one another. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back for the second service in a moment. Jesus is Lord. It's going to be awesome. So glad to be here. I'm Joseph Z. Please check out our table. So grateful to be here with you today. It's an honor. I love Palabra de Vida. We love Word of Life. Pastor Ben, should I turn it to you, sir? Thank you, everyone. We love you. Thank you, Joseph. All right, so... Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up front. You know, if you need prayer for anything, we want to pray for you. If, you, um, you know, if you've never accepted Jesus in your heart, we want to give you that opportunity this morning.
Man, God is so good. God is so good. And if you want to sow into Joseph Z's ministries, you know, you can write your checks to Palabra de Vida and just put there Joseph Z, guest speaker. You can do it over text through the app. Whichever way you like to give, just put it on the memo It's for guest speaker. And we're going to add to it and we're going to bless them. If you want to partner with them, they have partner cards back there, you know, and be a monthly partner with them. It's a great, great place to sow into and to be a part of what God is doing to them. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you. I'm going to dismiss you. Father, I thank you so much for everybody here. I ask you to continue speaking your word to us into our hearts that it would continue to echo. And I thank you for all the words that were spoken today over over uh, different people, God, that, that we'd be the ones to remember those things and say, yes, remember what the Lord said about you. Remember what God says about you, what God thinks about you, God. Thank you for the things you've spoken to us, God. And we just love you and worship you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.